0: Hello and welcome to the Slaughter and May podcast. This podcast episode is a live recording of a client event we held recently on the new European Commission's plans for the next five years, specifically in the areas of FDI, data, competition, environment and tax. You will hear from experts Jordan Ellison, Rob Sumroy, Ariel Osraki, Lisa Wright, Samantha Brady and Dominic Robertson.
1: So, thank you everyone for joining us for this for this event. Um, As you all know, we're here today to talk about the European Commission's plans um, for the next five years. Um, The the European Commission works on these five year cycles, um, pinned to European elections, um, which happen every five years. So, so last year, after lots of politics, we had um, elections in May um, of 2019. After lots of horse trading, um, a new European Commission was appointed um, at the end of 2019 under a new president, um, Ursula von der Leyen, um, who's a very senior German politician and, in fact, the first female president um, of the European Commission. Um, At the end of the year, the Commission, as it always does at the start of a new five year term, um, set out um, its plans in a range of different Policy areas. And, and now over the past few months, we've really seen some of those plans um, become more detailed, um, and we're getting a real idea of what this commission is looking to achieve um, over the next five years. Now, the Commission has very wide competence um, and its plans for new regulation, new law, new policy. Um, having a huge effect on business um, across a whole range of areas. Um, that's why today um, we've decided to select um, five of the most important areas where uh, EU legislation and policy will really affect business in Europe um, over the next five years. Uh, we're going to start with a look at competition and the trust policy um and i'm very pleased to say that we've got professor ariel zraki from oxford university um, to help us talk through that area then we'll talk about foreign investment restrictions and the impact of foreign investment rules on um, m a in particular takeovers of european companies by by non-european companies Um, and uh, my partner lisa wright from slaughter may will be we'll be talking about that subject. We'll then go to what's been called the European Green Deal, which is the Commission's um, package of proposals to fight climate change, um, where Slaughter May's environmental specialist, Samantha Brady, um, will be um, filling us in on latest developments. Um, After that, we go to digital data and privacy, where um, our head of digital regulation, Rob Sumroy, um, will be um, informing us of key points. And finally, last but not least, um, we'll talk about um, international taxation um, with Slaughter Made tax partner Dominic Robertson. So, there's a lot to cover, um, and we will um, try to focus on the very most important um, issues for um, international business in Europe. Um, so, without further ado, I will Turn to um, Ari Lizrecki, um, to talk about competition law
2: uh, what we have seen for the past decade is the commission increasingly realizing that digitalization, virtual competition, big data, big analytics and uh, network effects. All of these change the dynamics of competition and initially uh, the commission was quite firm in its approach that the existing toolbox competition law is sufficient to deal with all the new dynamics and any possible future threats. And indeed, the European Commission has been rather interventionist um, on this front. We have, of course, the Google decisions, but we also have the ongoing Amazon investigation, we have the Apple investigation, and generally speaking, a much closer scrutiny if you uh, look the way the thinking has evolved over the years. We have the sector inquiry uh, into e-commerce, and of course, last year, the special advisors report um, on competition in the digital area. era. Um, and the result of all of these has been an appreciation that we need to some extent to recalibrate the approach when it comes to uh, possible activities um, in digital markets. Part of it has been uh, a more nuanced, application of the existing competition rules but part of it has also been an appreciation that competition law is mostly reactive in nature what happens is that competition provisions can be applied once the damage has been done and because of the long process the long investigations the appeal process and the limitation of remedies there is certainly a call to supplement competition with regulatory instruments. Some of these are general, the GDPR or the Platform to Business Regulation or the forthcoming e-privacy, new in-privacy regulation. But indeed, there is a call for something which is more specific uh, to competition.
1: Um, could you perhaps explain what the European Commission is proposing in terms of competition-based regulation of the tech sector?
2: Yeah, I mean, certainly we have a revolution in the pipeline. So the commission envisages uh, three key pillars. One is the traditional competition law enforcement, article 101, that deals with agreements, article 102, that deals with abuse of dominant position. But there are two additional competition related pillars that the commission is now proposing, and we are in the process of a public consultation. The first one is a new ex ante, a regulatory regime that will deal with very large digital platforms and gatekeepers and the third pillar will be a new competition tool. So maybe I'll just say a few words about what is the idea behind each of these proposals. Uh, the online platforms here, there is an understanding that very large online platforms operate their own ecosystem. So they govern the type of competition that takes place. They can determine the parameters of competition, the entry, the exit, and we have the ability of those platforms to leverage market power um, and affect competition downstream. They can make use of data. They can make use of big analytics. There is a clear imbalance in bargaining powers and all of that. The commission argues affect the fairness of competition, the dynamic of competition, but also dynamic efficiencies and innovation. And these are elements that the Commission is thinking of addressing. And the policy proposals here are either to supplement the existing platform to business regulation from last year with additional provisions for greater transparency, but mostly about leveraging of market power um, uh, the ability uh, to use information that others are um, um, using on the platform. So these type of things, uh, data access, uh, these sort of things. The other two proposals under this um, uh, new instrument are, are more interventionist. One would be possibly a new instrument for information collection, and the other one will be a completely new tool that enables the Commission to target very large platforms and engage uh, in remedies uh, in the case that they see any competitive problem. The third pillar that I mentioned, this is the new competition tool, and this is something for those who are familiar with the UK market investigation, it is an attempt to adopt something that broadly is very similar to the UK regime. Here the idea would be that you are not necessarily looking to find a company that infringed the law, you are looking for problems when it comes to the market structure. Some sort of a failure on the market, either a failure because the market is about to tip, and the idea is that network effects are leading the market in a certain direction and the commission considers intervention necessary or just existing market failure. And here the commission also proposes a few options. One would be a very wide tool That enables it to target dominance across all sectors, not just digital markets. There is a slim version of this uh, dominance in very specific industries. And then there is another option, which is market structure based tools again across all sectors or more limited. And the reason I refer to that as a revolution is because this, uh, creates a certain instrument that bypasses the third the first pillar article 101 and 102 so we'll have new jurisprudence um, and no one knows exactly what will be the powers that the commission will have over those markets using these two tools
1: great that, that's really helpful thank you Ariel um, I want to stay with MA and a um, and deals in Europe um, but move from Thinking about the competition regulation of that, to thinking about foreign investment rules, so in particular restrictions on non-European international companies buying businesses um, based on based in Europe. And so I'll turn to my to my partner Lisa Wright, uh, and Lisa, maybe you could just um, tell us what we can expect from the new European Commission in terms of foreign investment restrictions on M&A activity?
0: Yeah, sure. So there has been quite a lot of anxiety um, in recent times about investment into Europe by um, investors from hostile states, and this led the European Commission to adopt um, an FDI screen regulation last year, um, and that will come into force um, into full force in october of this year now that regulation does not create a um, one-stop shop for fdi review like we have on the competition side in merger control where the european commission reviews mergers hitting certain thresholds on behalf of the member state agencies it doesn't do that instead it sets up a framework for the european commission member states to cooperate um, and coordinate closely with each other in relation to fdi screening going on at national level Um, and now that pre-existing anxiety about hostile foreign investment was really ratcheted up recently um, by the covid 19 crisis so when that crisis was really um, escalating in, in europe back in march the european commission came out with some guidance urging member states to businesses that were key to the pandemic response from hostile foreign investment. Um, And the commission told member states in quite strong terms that they should be using their existing FDI controls to protect those businesses. And to member states which did not already have FDI controls in place the strong advice was to um, to introduce them um, as a matter of some urgency Um, and to that end we have seen various member states um, across Europe taking steps to um, either introduce FDI screening or to expand the reach of their um, existing regimes Um, separate or slightly separately there's also been a lot of concern about the impact of foreign subsidies on markets in Europe. For instance, companies operating with the benefit of subsidies granted by foreign governments outbidding European counterparts for um, contracts or acquisition targets in European markets. And to address this, the European Commission announced just last week a consultation introducing, um, or a consultation on introducing three New possible powers. Um, And they are number one, a general market scrutiny tool which would allow the European Commission or member state agencies to investigate whether a company benefits from a foreign subsidy that's distorting competition in the EU. Number two, a new notification regime requiring companies benefiting from foreign subsidies to get approval from the European Commission before. Acquiring European companies, so um, a bit like merger control system that we already have on on the competition front Um, and the third proposed new power is a regime for the investigation of foreign subsidies in the context of European um, public procurement processes. So there's a, a lot happening and some potential new rules coming down the line.
1: Just in practical terms, what what does this mean for international businesses who are doing business in Europe or thinking of, you know, buying businesses in Europe?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, I think the proliferation of FDI screening um, that we are now seeing in the focus on by the European Commission on getting member states to talk to each other on making sure that everybody has FDI screening on making sure it's as broad as it possibly can be, I think probably means that um, international companies looking to invest in Europe can expect to face um, increased scrutiny um, on the foreign investment side, as well as Ariel mentioned on the competition side. And so that is likely to have an inevitable impact on transaction timetables and you know where you are facing this in multiple member states there's going to be a need for a um a significant coordination regime um because you know as we've seen the commission is is has set up its its own uh, regulation to really make sure that the member states talk to each other so you can expect that information you put into one agency will um find its hand find its way into the hands of another um, so you really need to be coordinated up front.
1: I'd I'd like lo- I'd now like to turn to something a little bit different in terms of the Commission's policy focus, and talk a bit about you know, climate change. Clearly, clearly a huge priority um, for governments in, in many parts of the world, um, and you know, the European Commission is is no different. It's um, a key part of its focus for the next five years is climate change policy, um, energy policy that tackles climate change. And this whole area has been, um, I guess described by a set of proposals called the European Green Deal. And maybe I'll turn to my colleague, Samantha Brady. Um, and Samantha, maybe you could start just by explaining a little bit about, you know, what is the EU Green Deal? Um, what sort of policies does that include?
3: Yeah, thanks, Jordan. So I think the important thing to remember is that the um, EU Green Deal, despite the, the label of the green aspect and lots of people focusing on the sort of environmental and um, climate change perspective, the Green Deal is actually much broader than that in that it looks at sustainability and a drive towards a sustainable focused growth strategy. So it um, aims to transform the EU into a fair and prosperous society with a modern resource efficient and competitive economy. So it does focus on the um, not having any uh, net emissions of greenhouse gases by 2050. But it's also important that looking at much broader resources and ensuring that the economic growth is decoupled from resource use. So it looks at the EU's uh, natural capital, which is obviously very, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, natural capital throughout the EU, and it can be very different depending on the particular geography of the country. But then also looking at the health and well-being of citizens, but looking at it very much from an environmental-related risks and impact perspective. So the transition is intended to be just and inclusive and it's very much aligned with the sustainable development goals in that perspective and that, that's a much broader un uh, initiative and the intention is that the european green deal will encourage global partners to pursue sustainable growth and so it's not just for europe it's something that's considered that would have much much more of a global impact
1: what are we seeing in terms of the european investment environment um and how that's you know how that's been affected by the european green deal
3: well the because of it being a very wide ranging initiative it's also going to impact very different um sectors and and there's different um investment opportunities in those sectors so as you say energy is clearly a key part of that and and driving a sort of clean energy supply but beyond that you're just looking at more uh industry more generally and, and production and consumption and then in order for people to get to different um places there's it's also important to have that infrastructure and, and transport in place which at the moment we're obviously not able to benefit from but is a is a much more long-term long-term goal there's also the food and agriculture element, so the whole idea of the sustainability needs to be meeting um, population growth particularly where the population density is different in different parts of the eu and then looking much more at the kind of the social benefits and and a key part of that is taxation and and how um everything that, the way that we conduct our lives needs to be in a much more sustainable manner so for the kind of Businesses that we're used to advising, um, we can see that there's a lot more opportunity for investment and innovation in energy and uh, infrastructure. Um, but it's it's not just a matter of you know, focusing and uh, work on uh, wind and and solar energy. It's looking at looking at something that's potentially much more innovative as well, and and really supporting um, this move from uh they sort of coal based to renewable energy and it's trying to do it at the lowest possible cost from both an environmental perspective but also obviously the cost to um society in terms of taxation
1: so maybe i'll turn to my colleague um rob Sumroy, um and rob maybe you could just summarize for us um you know what this new commission is doing in the areas of of digital and and data.
4: Thanks Jordan. Yes, so the the commission uh, certainly has been busy in this area. Um it's not a new area of focus of course for the for the EU commission you know that the um previous commission launched its single digital single market strategy in 2015 which which led to five busy years in in, in the digital sphere but certainly the new commission has has seen a, a renewed focus and energy in this area. Uh, if, if you look at the industrial policy package that was launched in March of this year, there were three key principles for the for the future of the EU mentioned in that. And one of those was shaping Europe's digital future. Um, so there's many hundreds of pages of analysis and discussion and proposals linked to this. And we've only got about six minutes. So uh, I'll try and summarize it as best I can. But I think there are four... Key areas uh, of current commission activity. One of them is data, and I'll come back to that. But just to mention the other three: um, intellectual property. And maybe we'll have a little bit of time today to talk about IP. But you know, there's always uh, um, an ongoing challenge, isn't there, within within the EU and for the Commission to, on the one hand, um, acknowledge the importance of uh, rewarding innovation by giving intellectual property protection. Uh, but at the same time ensuring that doesn't prevent an open and level playing field for all people um, um, to do business. And so the development of um, intellectual property or an intellectual property action plan is something that the commission is keen to promote, uh, promoting a global level playing field to better fight intellectual property theft and to, to adapt the legal framework to support this digital transformation. So IP is one area of focus. Um, emerging technology is another one, and the, um, the, the industrial package confirms that the EU wants to support or to continue to support the development of key enabling technologies that will be strategically important for Europe's future. They mention, for example, artificial intelligence, robotics, microelectronics, uh, high performance computing, cloud infrastructure, blockchain, quantum, all of the sort of the new and emerging technologies. Um, But at the same time, ensuring that the development and protection of those uh, technologies doesn't impinge on individual rights, including particularly around data privacy. The third area um, of activity is around cyber and cybersecurity. The EU is clearly driving improvements in relation to cybersecurity, acknowledging that security is key to ensuring confidence in the digital economy um and there were proposals for developing a new cyber certification framework as well as bringing forward the review of the uh the the nis directive which is the directive that aims to improve national security across the eu for operators of essential services so those are three key areas but i i come back to the fourth which is data this actually covers areas that, that ariel was touching on earlier as well because It's very much acknowledging um, that, you know, there is a huge, there has been a huge growth in the importance of data, but also that this will do it to expand across the five years of the commission. Uh, Data volume is expected to grow five times between now and 2025. And there's going to be a change in the way that we use data in our businesses and international companies, because we're moving from a point at the moment where 80 percent of our data is processed centrally within organizations and we're moving to a position in five years time where 80 percent of it will be um, on a more disparate basis around devices so devices internet of things (coughs) and at at the perimeter and this change data is the thing that is going to drive uh, the value of the digital economy I think there's the data economy itself is expected to be worth around 830 billion euros in five years time. So with this in mind, the commission is clear that they want to create a single market for data, where data can flow within the EU and across sectors for everyone's benefit, making sure that European rules in particular around privacy and data protection, but also competition law are fully respected, but also that the rules around the use of data are fair, they're practical, and they're clear. So this is going to be a real focus for the Commission in coming years. And there's some very exciting concepts, but also challenges here. So there's a real push towards having more open data, uh, recognizing, and this really goes to what Ariel was discussing earlier, recognizing that the accumulation of vast amounts of data in the hands of a small number of big tech companies can be stifling for competition and can act against the interests of European citizens and European businesses. And so looking at ways of ensuring that data can be more open and encouraging the open um, uh, um, sharing of data across sectors and within sectors, improving availability and interoperability. So looking at governance frameworks and technical standards to ensure that businesses, international businesses can um again as i say share data but do so in a way that they can understand issues around ownership interoperability and the like Um, and then developing um concepts of data pooling so this will be specific sectors and value chains where um, there's an acknowledgement that the sharing of data within sectors can really have a systemic impact on the entire ecosystem and there are eight or nine different areas of European industry, including manufacturing, uh, Green Deal, as Sam's just been talking about, about green technologies around mobility, health data, uh, financial services and financial data, energy, agriculture uh, and skills. And these are all sectors in which the European Commission is looking to develop governance and frameworks for the pooling of data sharing of data in a way that will um, protect the rights of individuals and still ensure that privacy can be be protected can ensure it can be done in a free open way uh, so as not to impact on competition but in a way that will drive value for the european community so it's a bit of a quick whistle stop tour but i think in effect what the commission is saying is data is the future it will drive the future of the digital economy and we need to provide frameworks where data can be shared in an open way and protect still protecting the rights of individuals
1: great thank you thank you so much Rob. a lots, lots to watch out for there um, over the next four or five years um, I'm going to move now from new areas of regulation back to an old and perpetual friend uh, which is just which is tax regulation and tax law um you know for many years we thought the European Commission didn't really have much to do with taxation that it was um that was largely um uh, a national a national competence of individual member states but over the last five years the European Commission has been incredibly active on on tax issues um I'm going to turn to my taxation partner Dom Robertson and, and ask Dom, can we expect the European Commission to keep being active on taxation, or, or are we finished with that now? Uh,
5: we're definitely not finished with that now. Uh, the 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 Commission was more active on tax in the last five years than I think it had been in the in the previous fifty. And the their plans for the next five years indicate that they're going to continue being active in in the tax area in three particular uh, under three particular pillars uh, if two of those will not be a surprise uh, to anyone who's you know, listened to the rest of this talk uh, that's the the EU Green Deal and digitalization and then the third is the Commission's continuing fight against aggressive tax competition and on the the EU Green Deal uh, Sam has talked about the number of the the tax changes which are being proposed there to, to help encourage a decarbonisation of the uh, of the economy. It, one policy which they are working up at the moment, which is I think particularly important for, for for businesses outside the EU, is a proposal to introduce an EU-wide carbon border tax, which will effectively be a levy on imports into the EU from countries with lower uh, or with worse emissions standards than than the EU the EU has theory being, if we're trying to fight global warming, we need to do that on a global basis, rather than saying, yeah, into businesses, well actually your customers, you can effectively export your carbon emissions from the EU to somewhere else. So the Commission has been tasked with working that up and producing that in a WTO compliant way, which may be a bit of a challenge. On the digital side, until last week, essentially what the EU had been tasked with doing was to you work with the OECD on their global attempt to to change the the existing arm's length standard and how you allocate taxing rights within a business. In the general view, from a lot of people has been actually that has not kept up with the increased importance of data and it's allocated too little. A way of taxing rights to countries where users are based, and they, but given the value which your companies are getting from uh, from user data, yeah, the OECD and actually yeah, ha, ha, had said very clearly we want to come up with a you know, single agreed solution globally, uh, so that we don't have lots of different taxes being created in different countries here, and we're working towards doing that uh, yeah, towards doing that and reaching agreement by the end of end of twenty twenty. Uh, last week, uh, the United States announced that they were not c- going to play ball anymore on that, and that they were pausing their, uh, their participation, yeah, at least until the presidential election and, and perhaps beyond. And the Commission has been very clear that if, that if that happens, and there's no progress on this, that they will look at bringing in an EU-wide uh, digital sales tax. Some countries, notably France, have already yeah, enacted digital sales taxes themselves on, the U- uh, on a single country basis. EU is planning to bring in a, an EU-wide digital sales tax. Yeah, that is seen by the United States as, uh, it, yeah, uh, as as discriminatory against the United States because it would largely apply to US tech companies. And so there, could, you know, there will potentially be a you're, you're very significant trade dispute uh, over the next few years if, if digital sales taxes are, 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 are progressed. And then the third aspect of what they're doing and focusing on you know, fighting aggressive aggressive tax competition. Some of this is, is, is really you know, implementing things they did last year uh, in, under the last commission, implementing their you know, advanced disclosure rules, DAC6, for example continuing to use their list of non-cooperative jurisdictions at, where if you're on that list you, 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 you can't get tax deductions for payments uh, to encourage you know, tax reform in, in low tax jurisdictions uh, and also continuing to support the introduction of a global minimum effective corporate tax rate and that is the other part of the OECD's your, your, your big policy reform in this area this part of the reform The US has said, well, they're still committed to partly because the US themselves introduced a minimum effective tax rate in 2017, so it's not a big change for them. And so we can expect at the end of this year, agreement on that from the OECD and an implementation to follow, big question for lots of international businesses will be where that rate is set, of course, if that's set. Uh, you're below, in particular, below the headline tax rate in Ireland twelve and a half percent. Then that you know, could have some pretty significant impacts for uh, for international businesses.
1: Great, thank thank you very much, Dominic, um, and th- and thank you everyone for your your contributions on on the various areas here. I mean, I, I, as I listen to all this, it, it's sort of mind blowing how how big and how wide ranging. Um, the ref- reform proposals um are over the next 5 years I-, I can't think of a european commission that's had such an ambitious um set of goals um since i've been um working in eu law um it, it seems if there's a kind of unifying theme it's it's really it's really an idea that state and government needs to be much more hands on um in driving what happens in the european economy um than was traditionally the case, whether it's you know new, more aggressive um interventions on the competition side, um, whether it's um more tightly regulating foreign investment that previously was allowed to flow very freely, or developing really quite um detailed industrial strategies in technology and data, or in the Green Deal. Um or, or in starting to try and you know more tightly regulate how 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 states tax business you know, this this European Commission is really trying to you know put its hands on the economy and, and change things in in quite quite radical ways. yeah you know, I, you know, I think as as private practice lawyers and as businesses, you know we often see the, the threats and all of that, and we see it as more regulation and more burden. Um, but there's also the point that the businesses that. That make the best predictions about what's going to happen, the businesses who adapt most quickly to new regulation, you know, will be the ones who who get a competitive advantage there. So there are also real opportunities in this for, for nimble forward looking businesses.
0: Thank you all for listening. If you would like more information about anything that we have talked about, please do feel free to contact anyone you have heard from on this podcast or your
1: usual Slaughter and May contact. You can find all contact details on the Slaughter MA website.